Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and your host for this podcast series. This is episode 119 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is tarot patterns. And I'm talking with my friend, Seth Vermilia of Coming Out Tarot. Welcome, Seth. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk about this topic, and I'm glad that you suggested it. You know, this was your idea when we were kind of talking behind the scenes of this. And, you know, both you and I, we've been reading tarot for quite a while now, and we know that when we sit down for a tarot reading, oftentimes what we're doing is we are looking at those cards and we're kind of like putting them together like a detective. I like to say it's like we're looking for how things are going together. So the patterns are really important. And you would probably agree on that, correct? 100%. Patterns are something that I think we learn uh, as we practice more and more and more. And they start to appear, especially as we have a point of view around tarot, or uh, we start to layer in those things that we learn from other people or as we read. Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting, too. I think when you first begin tarot, you just want to get the meanings down. You know, I don't know about you, but I just wanted to like, yeah. what does this card mean? You know, you don't even think about how they're <laughs> interacting together, correct? Yes. I, I remember going through that a lot. Like I, I would scour books and look for, uh, is this meaning here and is this meaning there? And I was comparing what one author said to another until I learned that everybody was flying by the seat of their pants and trying to understand kind of this zeitgeist of meaning and someone just happened to write it down, and that allowed me to feel more comfort in not only what I read, but what I was experiencing, and then open myself up to things like patterns. Right. And I noticed that for myself when I was, you know, reading early on in my, my not just my career, but just early on in my practice, you know, again, you're, you're just looking at those cards singularly, and then you're doing spreads. And then from spreads, that's when I really started to pay attention to, again, how those cards are interacting. You know, in tarot, I'm a visual person, and I'm assuming you are too. And yes. so the visual thing of looking at, again, the story that's unfolding, how these cards are interacting, the different little patterns, it really, again, starts to come together. You know what really opened it up for me too was finally having a deck that was borderless. When I got rid of those little edges that some people are okay with and some people despise, I'm not a fan, suddenly uh, patterns that I had started to feel like were there suddenly were connected in ways that I never expected. So borderless decks also opened up patterns for me. I want to talk about the borderless decks before we go on to patterns for a second. You know, I'm one of those people that I, first of all, I've got like such clumsy hands. The idea of me even tearing the border off a deck is like, if you want to see the deck get crappy, um, don't put a scissors in my hand. I'm a little girl in kindergarten when I was told to cut out a heart and we were given instructions. Well, I cut on the wrong thing. I didn't cut on the fold. And I got two little broken pieces and my teacher yelled at me. And I think that oh, is... No. <laughs> Yeah, she goes, oh, my God, you know, the destruction was how you got a broken heart, you know, and so anyhow, um, so, you know, that's dramatic. It actually kind of was, but it's also kind of funny because it just shows like, okay, scissors and I don't go together. So for <laughs> you people who are doing these borderless decks, I mean, it's kind of like, oh, my God, how do you do it real quick before we start talking about patterns? 
So I know there are some people who get real, um, real uh, focused on this and they take them to someone else, like a professional who has a stamp that will cut off those borders in a very nice, clean way. Mm. And I, I, I didn't get that intense. What I did is just put on a show that I wanted to watch that I didn't have to stare at, but I could listen to in the background. And it became very meditative to just release all those little edges off of the cards that I, that for me felt like they were in the way. Mm-hmm. So I just, it, it was, um, it was a way that I not only uh, was getting what I needed from a deck, but it, the meditation of that connected me to that deck even stronger, I feel like. So well, it, it became a very intimate thing, which I didn't, expect. You know, there's a tarot deck called the Prisma Visions Tarot Deck. Now, I have not worked with this deck because I'm trying not to buy more decks. And, and of course, today, what did I do? I ordered a deck. What the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> but there's this one called the Prisma Visions where the actual, when you lay the cards out in the Minor Arcana, they actually all connect like a puzzle. Oh, wow. I mean, it's really kind of interesting. So there's a part of me, you know, that thinks if I really want to explore patterns, that might be an intriguing deck to work with. Yeah, it's fascinating. I've heard of it. I wrote it down. I'm going to find that when we're done today. Yeah, and so if people are listening into this podcast, you know, go look that deck up online. It's called, again, the Prisma Visions Tarot, and it's all, I mean, when you look at the minor, the artist behind it really you know, again, shows it coming together like these little storyboards. It's, it's pretty brilliant. Can you imagine their studio when they were creating that? Oh, my God. It had to be, it had to be um, panoramic. Yeah, yeah. Engulfing. Absolutely. So I'd like to discuss a couple of patterns um, to give these as examples for people who are listening. Patterns that might show up in tarot reading and maybe how we might interpret that. So let's start out with some real basic stuff. When you lay out the cards, and let's say you get mostly majors, what do we need to know about that? Great question. Majors are always, for me, in my experience, and this may differ with other people, but for me, they're always life lessons. But I'll go even further. So that's an overarching. If I'm seeing a a lot of majors, the first thing I'm thinking for the person I'm reading for is, they're going through either a significant change in their life during the course of whatever it is that we're reading about, or they're learning a very important lesson. Mm -hmm. And it would be interesting to me to note, based on maybe where they are in the majors, if they're learning this lesson for the first time, or if they're learning it for the 13th or 40th. Mm You know, that's, I, I agree 100%. And then one of the other things that I sometimes see it as when there's a lot of majors is perhaps there's some sort of a faded thing happening. Like there's some things that are outside of your control and the universe is saying, hey, let's pay attention here to what it is that you are gathering on this leg of your journey. Especially if you start to see things like maybe Wheel of Fortune or what was the other one I was thinking of? Something probably came to mind for you, too, immediately. Justice. That's always like the karmic debt for me. Yes, yes, yes. When we start to see those, or, or um, sometimes, even for me, um, things like the hanged man or the lovers, where we've got real focus laws on how love works or how acceptance works. Mm-hmm. Those are big shifts in how we view the world. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and think about it, too. Those are actually big lessons that a lot of us are learning. When do we learn the most? Well, oftentimes we learn the most through our relationships. Mm -hmm. 
you know, through other people, through the way we interact with people or don't. So absolutely. So then on the flip side, what about if we have mostly minors? Day to day. That's for me, uh, when I'm seeing a significant amount of minors, usually the person is so focused in their day-to-day or experiencing something in their day-to-day that we're not talking about anybody learning those significant life lessons or those karmic lessons. They're, they're, in, they're either in the drudgery or they're in the weeds, or they could just be taking on all they can take on uh, because taking on something more significant might be either not in the cards uh, mm-hmm. or or too much right now. Do you think it could also be that if it's all minors, that it's like the universe is saying, well, now you just got to handle this little crap and don't worry about the big stuff? I think so, yes. Sometimes, for me, sometimes that would depend on the question. Mm. But so much of the way that I, I work is in an, a very active way that it tends to reveal either that someone is not engaged and they need to be, or they're very engaged and we need to explore if they're engaged in the right way. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, you're a very proactive reader, which I totally respect that. You know, I like to think of myself as proactive too, but I think your way of approaching it really encourages people to get moving. And I think that's so important. People need that. I agree. It's it's my favorite way to work, and it, it's permeated my entire life. So once I learned that it had bled its way into how I work with tarot, I I grabbed it, I honored it, and said, "Let's let's go." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do it. And it's it's a really good style. I think it's something that um, helps people who really need that nudge. And there are a lot of people who do need a nudge, you know. So it's excellent. So moving right along, what about when we have mostly court cards? And by the way, everybody hates court cards. I'm going to be doing a lot more talk on court cards down the road. I may even have you back on this. But what about, let's say, mostly court cards? That's your thing. What do we need to know? Uh, I think that's fascinating. I love it when a lot of court cards come up. Uh, And I love it when there's maybe just two or just one. Um, for me, if there's a lot, I'm dealing with uh, a, a group of people. Sometimes, I, depending on the question, I might be dealing with a family. Sometimes I might be dealing with an entire office. Uh, sometimes I might be dealing with people who are coming in and out of someone's life that seem to be, maybe to them, not related, but they are certainly related when it comes to the question at hand. So a lot of court cards for me mean there's a, there's a lot of people that are engaged in whatever the question is that we're discussing. If I have maybe two court cards, then that has, that has for some reason, and I love this pattern, has always been for me, me and the person, or not me, the, the person I'm reading for and the, the most significant person related to the question. So it's often in relationship readings that I'm going to see two court cards. Right on. It, it just happens. And then if there's one, that's when I get to really lean into my intuition and understand, is it the person that is sitting across from me kind of like using a significator? Or is it um, aspects of either that person or someone else that we're talking about that's in the reading? Right on. Love it. And I agree, too, with everything that you're saying yeah. here. And I, I, I love the idea of intuiting if there's only one card. Is it this person or is it someone else? And I think that's very tricky. And, again, we could do a whole show on this on oh, yeah. court cards. So 
I'm going to make a little mental note here that we're going to revisit and talk about courts because I think, uh, again, I could talk, I could do so many episodes on courts because they're so, so hard, but in patterns, this is, yeah, I love your advice on this. They're fascinating to me. I, the, when court cards come up, it used to be the, we shouldn't get derailed, but it used to be the scariest thing for me, mm-hmm. but now I love them. Leaning into them has been the best way to, to have comfort and not be scared by them. Right on. And you know, um, there's a new court card book coming out by Ethany Tarot that I'm pretty excited about that oh, cool. explores them. And I think, you know, Mary Greer wrote such a good book on understanding Tarot's court, but Ethany's book is going to be another one that people are going to want to add to their library if they are looking to understand the courts and how they go together. One of the things that I like to pay attention to with court cards, speaking of patterns, are they facing mm-hmm. each other? Yes, or away. Yes, because that's giving you a clue. Like maybe if you're asking about a relationship and let's say the court cards are not facing each other, it's like you're not seeing eye to eye. But if they're facing each other, it's like, okay, you can have a conversation. It's time mm-hmm. now for a conversation here. And then when you lay the lay, when you add in something like the, the layout that you're using, the, the spread that you're using, if you've got court cards facing each other and your spread is in opposition to where those court cards are laying, it's really interesting to explore what that communication might actually be. Yes, absolutely. So do you read reverse cards? I have to ask this. I do not. I, I have not avoided them. I've explored that and I chose not to use it because the way that... I like to approach reading. I've found that those same type of uh, results or experience of what it means to have a reversed card tends to come up for me anyway, based on the surrounding card. Right on. Right on. I get that. You know, I I do work with reversals. um, And the one thing I will say, if you have a lot of reversals in the reading, I always say for people, it's like the energy is very blocked and there's something that you need to internalize here. There's something that you need to go within to resolve. It could also be showing a time where maybe perhaps the person is really internal. Now, Mary Greer wrote a book. Mary Greer wrote everything, right? Mary Greer and Rachel Pollack, it's like I'm obsessed with their work. But she wrote a book on on reversals that talks a lot about different ways to work with them, and we're not going to go into that here. But um, a lot of reversals, I think she said something like, it shows like a lesson's not being learned. And you have to kind of go back to the previous card's lessons to try to really... That's interesting. I know, isn't it? To try to figure out what's, what's... what you need to learn or to figure out the, the message of that card. But if you have a lot of reversals, it's like, okay, we got a lot of things we need to work on right now. Lots. You know, and I tend to see that lesson type of thing in pat- the pattern that I see when I'm experiencing someone who hasn't learned a lesson is not only that there are some major cards appearing, but a lot of the cards happen to be, especially if there's, there's people in them happen to be looking left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, they're, they're focused on the past. They haven't, come forward into the present. They're definitely not moving into the the future, which is when everything's facing right for me. So that the way a card is facing, if I'm getting a lot of patterns, if there's people in them looking left, then that's an experience where I have that type of outcome. Right on. So I'm a math person. I Mm -hmm. love math. When I was in school, I did very well in math. And then one year I was goofing off with math and my teacher got kind of mad at me. Why? 
because he thought I was going to be some gifted math student. And uh, then I <laughs> I had another math teacher get mad at me, too, when I took geometry, and I just wasn't doing my homework. And it was so funny. He um, he said to me, you know, I, I'm really going to, I should fail you, but I'm going to pass you because you look like Chrissy Hind, you know, which was really kind of funny. This, I had a really, I had a very interesting uh, math teacher. And I, I remember telling him, I'm never going to use this math stuff anyways, this geometry. And he said, oh, yeah, you'll see one day. You'll see. And, of course, what happens is, like, the next year, I get into astrology. I came to astrology before tarot. And one of the things I love about astrology is it's very mathematical. But tarot has a lot going on with numbers, too. And so I think numbers are super important in tarot. How do you feel about numbers before we start talking uh, about patterns? I agree. I, I am not a math person. I never have been. I was so excited when in one of the most difficult math classes for me, and I can't remember what it was, but it, it involved a lot of story problems and language <laughs> and I couldn't put the numbers and the language together, but tarot helps me do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I needed the visual. I, I couldn't do the word. And, and I love that there are numbers as a part of tarot and it takes me into so many different places. Um, there are so many different ways to look at uh, numbers in tarot. And I think that, there's a lot of people who try and attach numbers in tarot to numerology. And they're, mm-hmm. while they're connected, I still think they're very distinct things. And I, I think you can find a little more leeway in the numbers in tarot than you might find in numbers in numerology or how specific they might also be in astrology. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. And, you know, I, I do like numerology. I do like astrology. I like tarot. I like everything. You know, as soon as you say it's mm. metaphysical, I got my hand up. I'm like, I'm interested. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about numbers. What if, what if you have all of the same number? Well, let's, let's use an example here. Let's say you get the four of cups, the four of swords, and you get the emperor, which is also ruled by the number four. What might that be telling Oof. somebody? Oof. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's really that's, significant when that kind of stuff comes up. That's a lot. Because uh, for me, that takes me into so many different directions. First, it, it, immediately when I have a four, my instinct is there's something rigid, there's something square, there's something that uh, has some rules and structure around it that I need to pay attention to. And then when I dive into the other layers of what those might be, having a, a major and two minors, having... Um, uh, a cups that leads me into a water element, having swords that takes me into an air element and adding in all of that stuff. We've got somebody who to me is stubborn about, depending on the question, right. <laughs> stubborn about uh, things that they're feeling. Maybe they're not ready to express what they need to express. And they uh, push that through in ways that may not be very healthy. Mm-hmm. They might be um, lashing out a little bit. They might be um, driving things through even some action in ways that people will be surprised by how they're acting. And they, they may not listen to other people very well. But I, I think it's interesting to have that really powerful, stubborn, structural four uh, together and then to layer on all of that those other elements. 
Right on. So let's talk about this too. What if you have all high numbers in a reading? Do you pay attention to that or all low numbers? Let's Ooh, say all yes. you got are like aces, twos, and threes, or all you got are like nines and tens and eights. Uh, yes, I, that, that will stand out to me immediately. If I see, and this is one of the hardest things about, I think, doing spreads and laying everything face down and turning up one card at a time. If you don't lay them all out where you can see them all, you won't see this pattern until later, and you won't get that overall view of, of a filter that you may need to be putting your reading through. Mm-hmm. So I like to have everything laid up instead of face down so that I can see things like that. So if I'm getting all those high numbers where in a we're either on the direction towards some sort of mastery. If we get towards those tens, we're about to turn the corner into something. If I've got a whole bunch of low numbers, somebody's just starting to experience and get tactile. Um, they may be uh, in a state of frustration somewhere in the middle as they're learning something before they move into that state of mastery. Do you land in that kind of space too? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, also sometimes what I look at is, is it's timing. Like, if we have a bunch of early numbers, well, we're really at the beginning, so hold your horses. If yeah. we're near the, if we have those bigger numbers, like you said, it's a mastery, but it could also say you're almost there. It's, it's coming. So yeah. sometimes I look at that for timing. That's, yes, that makes sense to me. I do, I do the same thing if I've got, let's say I've got a row that's all majors. Yeah. And the pattern that I'm seeing is, because I like to break the majors into three. I know three lines. I know people like to break the majors in different ways. So I like them one through seven and then eight through 14 and then the, the rest. Because the that first set for me is really about kind of like when a toddler's teething, they're exploring the world through trying things and touching and shoving everything in their mouth. And then the second row for me is about uh, the internal experience. Okay, now I've done all these external things. Now I'm starting to internalize what I've learned or what I need to learn next. And then the third part is very uh, super ego. You start to see yourself and the rest of the world and how you're affecting it. And I, when I see those three groups of numbers show up, so if I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, then I know I'm in the person I'm reading for is probably in that state of just really experiencing a lot of things and they, they may just be on that fool's journey of putting everything in their mouth. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. You know, I've always thought about doing it up into two things, but three, three lines that, that actually makes sense. I love that. Ooh, I love learning new things about tarot, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to like really play around instead of just two lines Looking at it from the three lines, I think that's smart. You know what you do when you, this will also be fun for you. After you lay them out in those three lines, see what they are, how they line up vertically. Vertically? I will do yes. that. All right, I'm you're, not. You're going to have a little mind blown. Moment. Okay, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I will probably be doing that right after I get off this, uh, this recording with you because you, you piqued my interest. And I love that. And I also, you know, that's the thing with tarot. I've been at tarot for 40 years. You never stop seeing them in different ways. I mean, I just can't imagine anyone getting bored with it. I don't know who could. (laughs) I agree with you. Here's another thing that I pay attention to, too. When numbers are leading up in a sequential order, like let's say you get Mm. a 7, 8, 9. I pay attention because that shows things. I call them progressions. And so Mm -hmm. I say, everything's progressing. The situation's progressing. It's moving along. Whereas when they go in the reverse order, 
we maybe needed to step back. We need to go back to basics. So that's another thing that I notice in. in oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like I've, um, you put that really well. I feel like I've experienced that as I was reading, but I never really noticed that I was aware of that pattern. I, that's great. I love that progressing versus maybe we need to step back a little. Right. Well, sometimes we need yeah. to go back. Actually, I think everybody needs to go back to basics all the time with tarot mm-hmm. or anything they're learning. You know, when I work with my yoga students, everybody wants to do the crow pose. They want to do a balancing thing. Oh, wow. Like, <laughs> nope. Now, you know what you're going to do? Now you're just going to do triangle. Screw you. Because you've got to mm-hmm. get back to the basics and getting back to the basics. So when cards go backwards, I'm like, you're, you need to get back to those basics. Those basics are good. We need those. That's great. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. There's another pattern that I find really fascinating, and I call it the full house. And the full Mm. house is when you have each member of the court present. So when you have like a page, a knight, a queen, and a king, that's a full house. Now, we have one from each suit. I get really excited. I'm like, oh, my God, the whole gang's here. And so that, when I have those showing up, first of all, it's showing that you have everyone that you need. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it can also show, you know, again, a situation if it comes with a uh, page, knight, queen, and king, particularly if it goes in sequential order, a situation that is beginning, moving, growing, and coming to fruition. So I call it the full house, and I always see that mm-hmm. as a really good thing in a tarot reading. That's Fascinating. I I can't say that I remember ever seeing all four of them showing up. Oh, I have. That's amazing. How often does that happen? Not very often, but when it does, I always make a note. And I did a reading for a woman recently, and I laid out the Celtic cross, and we had the page in the position of what's moving behind you. And in the present moment, we had a knight. In the near future, we had a queen, and in hopes and fears, we had a king, and it went all the way across, and I was like, I mean, I I was so blown away. I'm like, I've got to take a picture and send this to you, (laughs) which I never do because, you know, I just want to move through the readings as quickly as I can, but it was just so mind-blowing, and that really showed that there was a situation in her life that was absolutely, truly moving forward, and I looked at the king as her just needing to continue to believe in this big vision that she had, you know, or something like that. So uh, I just remember being just like, whoa, this is cool. That's incredible. I love stuff I mean, like that, that. Talk about alignment. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's well, it's showing that yeah. she's in alignment with whatever it is she was doing. She's in alignment. You know, things are moving along. Everything is there. Everything she needs is there. So it was very fascinating. That's incredible. So one last question. So what is your process for ascertaining the patterns? Now, you mentioned you like to lay all the cards face up right away. Do you then mm-hmm. notice them immediately? Do you scan things? Or do you go through the cards and then come back and notice them later? How does it work for you? Uh, first, I tend to notice things like numbers and elements uh, and immediately. Those are the first things that I'm seeing because it's kind of a, a scan over what is in front of me. Uh, then the next thing I tend to notice are court cards because I'm looking a little deeper now um, and, and what direction they might be facing, like we were talking earlier. 
And then I start to notice additional patterns, especially in the rider weight, but I do this in other decks as well, though they may be a little different than what we're used to in the rider weight. So what I'm looking for next is, depending on the imagery of the deck, is everything up in the air, like high on the card? Is everything really weighted low on the cards? So do I have a lot of cards where, like um, maybe a three of pentacles and a... Um, seven of cups where things are like way up there and the energy feels drawn up or is it uh, really low and depending on a deck that I'm using uh, that can shift Mm -hmm. so what patterns we might be used to in the rider way I'll see totally different patterns uh, for how the the weight is in the card up or down and I use those in in different ways the the lower weight you can imagine something might feel um, grounded or uh, very materialized where something's up in the air it could be just that it's up in the air it could be something that is in the client's imagination it could be something that they're thinking about they haven't really solved yet Uh, So I I look for those patterns of what's up and what's down because it can help me better understand where they're coming from along with all the rest of the information that's flooding my senses. I love that. That's such great advice. Such great advice. And, you know, I really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom and for suggesting this topic because I think this is a great topic. I think it's something, you know, especially for beginning readers, when they're first starting, they're learning the cards one by one, getting them to start thinking about, hey, guys, pay attention to some of these patterns. Ding, ding, ding. You're going to get something more here. It's going to make the reading richer. Um, I think that's that's very important. So I want Especially if you're intuitive. I would yeah. just say, like, one of, if you're a very intuitive reader, if you start at those higher levels, it'll be so much easier for you to zero in on what that card means for you and not have to be stuck in what a literal interpretation is. Absolutely. 100% agreement. So I want to thank you. This has been such a great topic, Seth. Thank you so much for spending time with me to discuss it. Thank you. I I was excited to talk about this, and there's even so much more that we didn't get to today that if anyone is curious, they should reach out to any tarot reader they know. Yeah. Um, I I love to also talk about coming out patterns because that's part of the work that I do. So there's even a whole other flood of patterns around what comes up if you're talking to someone who's coming out, who's in the middle of coming out, who has just come out, and especially those of our um, of our friends who might be going through discovering that they're transgender or non-binary. All of those things have patterns too. Well, I think we should absolutely have this as a future show. So as soon as we are uh, done with today, we are going to discuss that because I think that's a great topic and it could be very helpful uh, to listeners and carol readers. Um, Yeah. Wow. That's an excellent topic. So you are just full of great topic ideas, Seth. Today's the the day. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) It is. So Seth, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at comingouttarot.com and all of my social media, whichever one's best for you, is all at Coming Out Tarot. Well, I will tell everyone who is listening, I love watching Seth. I love watching his work. I love reading his blog. So you guys get to Coming Out Tarot. You're going to learn a lot. Um, 
and you're going to find that he's got some really great points of view that are super modern, and uh, I, I love what you do, Seth. I really do. Thank you very much. And I, I right back at you. I love everything I get to experience with you because it takes me into new, wonderful, and sometimes strange places. And that's a good thing. I like going into weird places. So yes. I'm all about that. You know, we kind of got to like experiment and play and um, tarot allows us to do that. It's the perfect landscape for that. 100% agree. All right, people. Well, that wraps up this excellent episode of Tarot Bites. And believe me, I'm going to have Seth back on here soon. And I want to remind you that you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free, lots of free things for you guys. I've got the tarot coloring book, lots of blog posts, um, astrological forecasts, you know, just so many things for you to scope out. So get over there and enjoy it. I want to thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day. And, hey, if you have a moment, please do me a favor and leave a kind review on iTunes because that's going to help more tarot-curious people find their way to tarot bites. And I always like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.